Good morning, church. Good morning. You know, I want to welcome our campuses in New Milford, Waterbury, Derby, and online. You know, if you're new or visiting today, my name is Adam DePasquale. I serve as one of our lead pastors, and we're just so thrilled that you've chosen to worship with us today, and I just want to give you a warm, warm welcome. You know, I want to start by telling you a story. In uh, 2003, my wife Carrie and I had recently moved back to Connecticut, having lived in Nashville for about 10 years. And we were clearly in a transition. Carrie was working at Calico Corners at that time, a fabric store in Wilton. I was doing a number of things, including teaching piano lessons. I still had some clients I was arranging music for in Nashville. But we were increasingly volunteering here at our home church. I was helping to lead worship for our Sunday night service. Carrie and I were on our prayer team. She was serving on our church in action team. And the two of us were on our Sunday night leadership team. And you know, while we were working our day jobs, I can honestly say that we were beginning to feel the call to what you may call full-time ministry. Maybe it was more of a push or a pull. I can remember that season so clearly and how God was leading us. You see, I can remember of September of that year, I had reached out to a music producer that I used to work with in Nashville, and in conversation, he shared with me that he was headed up to Toronto to record an album to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of this renewal and revival that had taken place there. I knew the exact church he was talking about, and I always wanted to visit it, and I wanted to reconnect with him, so I thought, that sounds great. I took a step of faith. I said, hey, could I come up and just hang out with you at that event? And to my surprise, he said, actually, why don't you come up and play second keyboards? You can be on the album. And so I said, wow, that sounds great. So on October 9th, 2003, I drove up to Canada, and we rehearsed briefly on the 10th, and then we went right into this worship event. I want to say it's always an amazing experience to be in a room with people who have driven long distances to worship Jesus. There's just such hunger there and such passion. And that was the case here. There were like 5,000 people just wholeheartedly worshiping the Lord. Well, immediately following one of these worship sessions, two distinguished men in their late 50s came up to me, and they said they felt the Holy Spirit had given them a prophetic word for me, and would I be willing to listen to it? And so, of course, I said, that sounds great. As they spoke to me, one of them said, I'm a traveling evangelist here in Canada, and as you were playing keyboard, I felt the Lord single you out and prompt me to invite you to come up to Canada and lead worship for some of my events. What do you think about that? And so, you know, what was kind of strange about that question is that I had been playing second keyboard, which means that I was far in the back of the band. The parts I was playing on the keyboard were probably hard to hear. And there wasn't even a microphone in front of me, so they would never have heard me even sing. What possibly could they have seen in me that would lead them to ask this question, right? But I told them I'd pray about it, and uh, I took their business card. Well, after they left, one of the church team members came up to me, and they said, that man you were just speaking to, he's an anointed evangelist and healer here in Canada. He and his wife have a TV show. They're the real deal. And so I thought, wow. So I went home. I told Carrie all about it. And uh, this led to me traveling to Canada, where I led worship for a series of this gentleman's events. I want to tell you, they were so powerful. Every town we went to, people were being healed. Every town we went to, I saw people coming to meet Jesus. It was such an incredible experience. Well, shortly after coming back, um, the evangelist and his wife contacted me and asked if Carrie and I would want to join their ministry, come on staff. I would be responsible for leading worship at his events. I would become the worship pastor at their church, and I would be given the responsibility of launching a new evangelistic and equipping training center. Carrie was being asked to lead their missions department. I want to tell you, both of us were filled with fear and excitement and wonder, right? 
And uh, so they brought us up for interviews, and they went really well. It felt like the Lord was in it. Well, interestingly, at that same time period, the incoming executive pastor of Walnut Hill at that time, a man by the name of Phil Smith, reached out to me. And he said, I heard what's been happening in your life, and we want to know, will you guys stay? And Adam, will you come on staff to help assist in the areas of worship and discipleship? And so I told Phil all about what had been happening in Canada, and we decided to pray together. So wow, two incredible opportunities, right? And I don't know about you, unless you're God, you can't be in two places at the same time. So which one was the Lord calling us to? Which one was right for us? So Carrie and I began to pray, and we brought together a group of close friends. We told them about the opportunities. We listened to their insights. They committed to pray for us. And ultimately, I felt led, and Carrie and I felt led to this prayer. Lord, our lives belong to you. We want to go wherever you want us to go. You know the impact that this decision will have on our lives today and in the future. But because the ministry in Canada came to us first, we're going to go there unless you close the door to Canada. Amen. Sounds like a simple prayer, right? Well, what happened? I'm standing here, so you know the answer to that. But uh, let me tell you about it. We went ahead and we laid that fleece before the Lord. Lord, if you want us in Connecticut, close the door in Canada. And then we move forward with the opportunity and they move forward with their hiring process. And then one day I received a phone call. I'll never forget it. The evangelist said, Adam, I have some bad news for you. We've hired so many people from the US before. This has never happened. But your work visas have been rejected. Wow, the Lord had closed the door in Canada, right? This is what I said to him. Let me tell you about what's been happening here in our lives. Our home church offered us a job. And as a fleece, we asked the Lord to close the door in Canada if he wanted us to stay. And the man replied, wow, praise God, that's amazing. You know, as I look back all these years now, I just want to say how grateful I am that we serve a God, that we worship a God who still speaks today. You know, yeah, amen. He, yeah, amen. He absolutely cares about the big things happening in the world, the big things happening in our lives, but also about the seemingly small things, right? He wants to guide us moment by moment each and every day because his plans are so much greater than our plans and his plans are so much more exciting. And so today we want to kind of peek in and explore this topic of being led by the Holy Spirit. I want to provide some teaching and helpful tips on how we can hear from the Lord. And then at the end, I want to leave you with a challenge so you can get ready for that. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them uh, to Acts chapter 16. And as you turn there, I just want to give you a little context to today's scripture, because we're about to go on a Lord of the Rings type journey, okay? You know, as we've been reading in the book of Acts, we've seen that while the early church had this initial favor, very quickly it turned to persecution. And that persecution led to followers of Jesus being scattered across the region. And that scattering actually led to new churches popping up all over the place, isn't it amazing how the Lord can work even in the midst of the most difficult and challenging times, right? Amen. Well, in Antioch, one of the places that the gospel had reached, the church was growing really quickly. And so leaders like Barnabas and Paul, Silas and Mark, they were there just investing in the Lord's work. But as time went on, Paul felt that they should leave Antioch and they should go back and start to visit these different cities that they had preached in so they could strengthen the churches, Ultimately, Barnabas and Mark went in one direction, and then the church leaders blessed Paul and Silas to go in a completely different direction. There had been a bit of a dispute between the two of them that you could read about. 
you know, you can see the start of the journey as we comes up on the maps now. Um, so, so Paul and Silas go through Syria, and they go through Silzia, strengthening the churches. They then journey to Derby and Lystra, where they recruit a young believer named Timothy. Timothy is just getting started in ministry. You could think of him like a Walnut Hill intern or a Walnut Hill resident. All together, they travel, and they go from town to town, and they start to share with the churches some of the updates that the apostles had in Jerusalem, and they start to encourage the churches. And I love this. The Bible tells us that these churches started to grow in number. God was at work, right? Let's start in verse 6 together. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Let's stop there for a moment. There's a lot happening here. There's some good questions we can ask. First, geography aside, we're going to get to that in a minute. We're reading here that Paul and his companions had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, if you're one of those people that likes to write in your Bible, why don't you go ahead and like circle that or underline that because it's really, really important. You see, at times in our life, the Holy Spirit will stop us. He'll say, stop your plans. Don't go further. And you'll notice in this moment, there wasn't a clear sense of what they should do. It was simply stop, right? As followers of Jesus, we have to get comfortable with words like no and stop oftentimes before we're ever going to hear words like yes and go. I really think that's important for us today. I want to say it again. As followers of Jesus, we need to get comfortable with hearing no and stop from the Lord sometimes before we ever hear yes or go. And that can be really uncomfortable. You know, interestingly, in this moment, you can see then they come to the border of Mycenae. They try to enter Bithynia, but now the spirit of Jesus won't let them to go in. Now, some of you may be asking, why does Scripture refer to the Spirit of Jesus here and not the Holy Spirit? It's a really good question. You know, we don't know for sure, but some theologians think that maybe one of them had a vision of Jesus, or perhaps one of them prophesied in the name of Jesus, but it's a question that we're going to have to go to heaven with and ask Paul. But here in this moment, this is like strike two, right? Doors are being closed everywhere. They're not being opened. And you can imagine the confusion and the frustration that must have been upon them because they were walking, right? These missionary trips involved hundreds of miles, days and days and days of journeying. So a closed door, a change to the plan was not insignificant. You know, as we look at this text and we consider our theme today, there's like two important questions that jump out to me. The first one, why did the Spirit keep them from preaching in Asia and going further? Why? The next question, how? How did the Holy Spirit talk to them, right? Let's start with that first question of why. The truth is that as it was happening, they don't appear to know why. Has this ever happened to you before where you have this prompting of the Lord and you're going on the direction and then it just closes, the door closes, and you're like, I don't know why you're doing this, Lord, right? This is kind of what's happening here in this spot. Let's take a look at a map so we can visualize this a little bit better. You know, at this moment, Paul and his companions were being kept from preaching in Asia. This roughly refers to the western side, about one-third of what today is modern-day Turkey. And Ephesus was the capital there, so it's likely that Paul and his companions wanted to end up in Ephesus. Now, this is what I love. Paul ultimately does visit Ephesus later, but on his way back on his missionary journeys. 
So this wasn't a never go to Asia, Paul. This was a not now moment. And then if you look, they're blocked from entering Bithynia. Again, I love the scripture because if you look, by the time the apostle Peter writes 1 Peter about 10 years later, we find out that there are now believers in Bithynia. So the gospel does get to Bithynia. It just wasn't Paul's assignment to bring it there. Well, as we read in verse eight, so they passed by Mycenae and they went down to Troas. This is like a great adventure. You can almost imagine what their prayer life must have been like. Lord, it's a no to Asia. It's a no to Bithynia. Where is your yes, Lord? Show us, right? One commentary writer, Ajith Fernando, noted that geographically, they had been blocked from going south-southwest into Asia. They had been blocked from going north-northeast into Bithynia. Paul had already been to east towards Tarsus. Where else could they go? West. That's the only place they could go. So they went hundreds of miles west to the city of Troas. And I love that. They didn't give up, right? They were on the hunt for the Lord's will. They were trusting that with every no in the spirit, there's going to ultimately be a yes. That with every closed door, there will eventually be an open door. And I think this is an essential lesson for us today because sometimes, church, we have to simply wait on the Lord. That's uncomfortable, right? To wait on the Lord. And sometimes he actually calls us to discover his will as we walk it out in real time. And that can be uncomfortable, right? I don't know about you, but I would have much preferred to have known where the open door was rather than have to knock on closed doors, right? So here in Troas, continuing verse nine, we see this. That night, Paul had a vision. Praise the Lord. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So with closed doors seemingly all around them, perhaps in the midst of confusion and frustration, we don't know, Paul has this vision of a man from Macedonia asking them to come. It must be the Lord, right? But this is what I love. If you look at the scripture, it says that they decided to leave having concluded that God was calling them to go. You know, we don't know what that looked like, but there was some kind of conversation where they collectively discerned that this, in fact, was the will of the Lord. I can almost imagine their conversation. Maybe you could hear it. Paul, do you remember how we tried to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit stopped us? Yes, I remember that. Then do you remember how far we traveled to Mycenae and were stopped again? I get it. What's your point? Tell me about this vision one more time, right? Or... Maybe there was such a collective celebration as Paul shared with them what he saw and maybe the presence of the Spirit came upon them and they're like, finally, the Lord has spoken. What are we waiting for? Let's go. But either way, this is my point. There was a moment of discernment that took place. You know, I want to point out to you that one of Paul's companions here is a man named Silas. And in Acts chapter 15, we learn that Silas was a prophet. And so this was a man who was not only gifted at hearing from God, but he understood just how important it is to test everything they thought the Lord was saying to them. Side note, do you know who wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians? Paul, Timothy, and Silas. Silas the prophet. Listen to the wisdom that they gave the church in Thessalonica. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. 
but test them all. Hold on to what is good. I love that in our story today, Acts chapter 16, we see that the band of brothers is testing the vision. They're holding on to what's good, and they're concluding together that what Paul saw in the Spirit was in fact the Lord. And then convinced, they don't hesitate, they head out immediately. Isn't that incredible? It's an important lesson for us today. Continue with verse 11, we read this. We boarded a boat at Troas. We sailed straight across the island of Samuthres. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. Let's put up our map so we can see this a little bit better. Continuing on, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive and purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, praise God, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Praise God, right? Do you see here that Lydia and her household became the first followers of Jesus in Philippi? And her home was essentially the location of the first church in that city. So why were Paul and his companions blacked from going into Asia and Bithynia? Could it have been that the Lord had a divine appointment for them in Philippi? That the trip to Ephesus could wait? That God would send someone else to Bithynia? Right? What God wanted to do was extend his church into Philippi. And then as you keep reading, into Thessalonica, into Berea, into Athens, into Corinth, into Ephesus, just to name a few. You see, church, we don't always know why the Lord closes the door or why he says no. But he calls us to trust him. Let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever tried to run or walk through a closed door? You get that picture in your head? Kind of hurts, right? Have you ever ignored a no from the Lord and gone ahead anyway? What happened in your life when you did that? How about this question? Is it possible, is it possible that we can become so focused, so convinced of our ways, so distracted that we actually miss hearing the Lord's voice and his direction in our lives? Is that possible? Unequivocally, yes. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. So how did Paul and his companions hear from the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about that. Hearing from the Lord starts with a hunger and a desire. It starts by asking for help. You know, in his sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Do you hear that intentionality? Ask, seek, knock. Each of us should be doing that every day. And I don't care if you've been following Jesus for one day or 50 years. We need to be doing more of it. We need to be doing more of asking, seeking, and knocking. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, he's also a leader in the church of Jerusalem. He wrote this in the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You hear that promise? I love this verse because there's no judgment in it. It says God will generously give wisdom without finding fault. He's not going to say, wow, Adam, you're asking that again. Wow, Adam, that's a little too simple. I'm not going to answer you. No, there's no silly question with the Lord. 
And that's why this is one of my favorite verses to pray. I will often start a prayer by saying, Lord, you say in your word that if I lack wisdom, I can ask and you're gonna provide it. Boy, do I need wisdom. You know, what I love about this prayer is that you can say it anytime and it only takes about three seconds and no one will even know you're praying it, right? An issue arises, a question comes up, an opportunity comes to you. Boom, you do what I call an arrow prayer. You shoot up a prayer, you say, Lord, wow, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. Would you provide it for me? Amen, right? Amen. The Lord is there ready to provide wisdom. And so step one, if we want to hear from the Holy Spirit, humble yourself and ask. Humble yourself and ask. James also wrote this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's another promise, right? If you want to hear from the Lord, step two, draw near to him. What does that mean? You know, for me, it's an intentional posture. It's a posture of trying to be aware of the Lord's presence throughout day, of keeping him close in my thoughts, of being expectant and being mindful that he is with me and he might just choose to talk to me at any moment. Step three, in Psalm 46, the sons of Korah wrote this, God says, be still and know that I am God. And this was echoed with Elijah. If you remember, after the sound of a powerful wind, after an earthquake, after fire, came sheer silence. And Elijah heard God's voice in a gentle whisper. Do you want to hear from the Lord? Step three is this, quiet down, be still, turn off the TV, put down your cell phone, listen. These three steps are gonna put you in a posture to hear from the Lord. But how do you actually hear from the Lord? What does it sound like when the Spirit speaks to us? You know, one of my favorite Christian authors is a pastor named Mark Batterson. Perhaps you're familiar with his New York Times bestseller, The Circle Maker. It's an awesome book. But Mark also wrote a book called Whisper. And the premises of this book is simple. It's that God is always speaking and we just need to learn his languages. You know, there's this one pastor that used to say, the Lord is not human and his first language isn't English. It's not Spanish. It's not Portuguese. That's a fair point, right? We need to know how God speaks. So in Mark's book, he uses tons of scripture. It aligns really well with what we teach our prayer servants. I encourage you to get it, but I want to just draw out seven of his points today. And before I do that, I want to say this to you. Whenever you're seeking the Lord's will, so often he'll speak to you in more than one way. It's almost like your car's GPS system. I don't know if you know this, but in order for your car to know where to send you, it needs to get in contact with four different satellites in outer space. It's crazy. It triangulates, and then together it gives you direction. It's almost like the Lord. You know, the Lord so wants you to hear his will, so, so, much, wants you, so much wants you to hear his direction, that he's going to speak to you oftentimes in more than one way, right? So how does he speak? Number one, God speaks through scripture. If you don't hear anything else I say today, take this one with you. God speaks through scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive. It's active. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is the lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. If you want to hear from the Lord, immerse yourself in Scripture. Listen, I promise you, if you ask one of your friends who you know hears from the Lord, how do you do it? They're going to tell you that they spent a lot of time in the Word of God. Why? Because as you read the Word of God, you learn about God's character. You learn about His promises. 
You learn about his commands. You learn what his voice sounds like. And equally important, you learn what his voice doesn't sound like. You know, so often you're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you as you're in the word of God. And everything we believe that God is saying must be tested through scripture. Everything. Pastor Adam, I really feel like God is telling me to teach my friend a lesson and show them how it feels to be humiliated. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. What does scripture say? To love our enemies, okay. To forgive each other, okay. Does that line up with what you feel the Lord is saying to you? No. Scripture wins because the Lord will never contradict himself. You see how easy that was? Not so hard, right? Number two, God speaks to us through our desires. Psalm 37, four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's something powerful about our desires. You know that King David had a desire to build a temple for the Lord and his son Solomon ultimately did that. Jesus was often moved by his desires. It would say, filled with compassion, Jesus, right? There was a sense within him of, of heart. You know, there's been many times in my life where I've had great excitement for something and it's deep within me. It still has to be tested, but so often I take notice of those things in my life. Sometimes when someone comes to me and they want to test an opportunity out, I'll ask them a simple question. Are you excited by it? You know, it's okay to hear I'm a bit scared or maybe I don't feel adequate or I don't know how I would ever do it. But if there's absolutely no residence in that person's spirit, it's something to take consider of. Maybe that's not the Lord's will. Number three, God speaks to us by providing open doors. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul wrote this, there's a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. I love that. In the natural realm, there was opposition, but in the spirit realm, there was an open door. You know, in life, we need to pay attention to the timing of the opportunities that come our way. Last year, many of you know, Carrie and I were invited to go to Bangladesh to speak at the 50th celebration of one of our church in action partners, the Christian Service Society. Did I feel nervous about it? Absolutely. Absent an invitation, would I have ever gone to Bangladesh? Probably not. I had to consider in my decision-making that an open door had come. Number four, God speaks to us through dreams, some kind of visual or audible communication. In Acts chapter 2, 17, we read this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, we should expect these things today. You know, one time in my life, I had a vivid dream where Carrie and I got in a car accident, but we were okay. I kid you not, the next day we were driving on Route 7 in Wilton and all of a sudden a truck was forced into our lane and we collided at 45 miles an hour. The car we were driving was completely totaled, but miraculously we were completely fine. I want to tell you something. I praise the Lord for his protection, but I also thank him for that heads up because I want to tell you, I remembered that dream immediately and there was so much peace and there was so much clarity. You know, it's not uncommon for one of our prayer servants to be praying for someone up front and to have a picture come to their mind that helps them guide their prayers. I want to say with all these things, they have to be tested. You heard me say that like five times. They have to be tested. And sometimes the way we test things, we always run it through scripture, right? But sometimes if it wouldn't do any harm, we actually have to take a risk, humble ourselves and ask. You know, as I was praying for you, I had a picture of this. I had this thought come to my mind. Does that mean anything to you? It just might. It might not. 
Number five, God speaks through other people a lot, probably more than we want. <laughs> Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. There is safety in having many advisors. You see, second to scripture, I would argue that the Lord speaks most frequently through other people. We should be talking with other Christ followers in our lives that we respect and trust. Maybe those in your crew or your small group, those who have a track record of successfully following Jesus. I want to be honest, as your pastor, one of the things that gets me most upset is when I see a person hunting around until they can find someone who will agree with the bad decision that they're about to make. You know, usually that person has heard bad idea from a number of other believers, but they just keep looking to find that one person. Haven't we all done that at some point in our lives, if we're honest? Listen, if well-respected Christ followers around you question the decisions that you're about to make, stop. Ask why. Seek to understand their point of view. Ask them if they will commit to pray with you. Don't just ignore what they're saying to you. Number six, God speaks through promptings. Luke 2, verse 27, tells us of a man named Simeon. He's in Jerusalem. He feels prompted by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple area at the exact time that Mary and Joseph are carrying baby Jesus, his Messiah, and they have this beautiful interaction. What does that look like to be prompted by the Holy Spirit? Have you ever had a sudden thought come out of nowhere? Like a person? Have you ever considered that maybe God wants you to pray for them? Or maybe God wants you to pick up the phone and call them? Have you ever felt uneasy about something and you just can't explain why? Have you ever had two people tell you the exact same thing on the same day? Have you ever felt a sudden burden for someone or something? Have you ever bumped into someone at a strange location like an airport and wondered, what are they doing here? Have you ever oddly woken in the middle of the night with a thought that was like an answer to what you've been praying about for weeks? Have you ever been thinking about something and then driven by and it seems like a billboard is just screaming out God's answer to you? Have you ever felt prompted to go and help someone and you didn't know why? Listen, sometimes... These things may be the Lord prompting us sometimes. And the thing is, you won't ever really know unless you consider it and unless you test it. We've talked about how you test it through scripture. You know, one of the strange thing that happens to me quite frequently is that I'll be talking with someone and in the midst of them talking, it's as if the Lord suddenly underlines what they're saying, highlights it, or points out one word to me and it's startling to me. Now, they'll never know what's happening, and they often don't even know what they're saying, but I, afterwards, I'll go and I'll journal about what that is. This happens to me about once a week. It's not infrequent. And oftentimes, it's the Lord getting my attention. That happened in, as I was preparing for the sermon. It happens all the time. You know, I want to say to you, if you want to test these promptings, here's what you got to do. Start by saying, Lord, is that you? Father, is that you? Holy Spirit, is that you speaking to me? If it is, what are you trying to say? What do you want me to do with what you've just shown me? Put it through scripture. Maybe you want to ask a friend, but if it's not going to do any harm, with humility, take that step. Make the phone call. Send the text message. Ask the question. Go and volunteer where you feel like the Lord's asking you to volunteer. Church, this is what makes the Christian life so exciting and so powerful, being led by the Holy Spirit. Number seven, God speaks through pain and obstacles. 
I wish it weren't true, but it is. Certainly today in the passage, we saw the obstacles of closed doors with hundreds and hundreds of miles of walking, right? I once was talking to someone who's such a dedicated person, such a loyal person, a person who just loves stability in their life, and they shared with me that they were suddenly let go from their job. Now listen, while it was really painful for them over the next six months, they suddenly got a new job, and it was like a promotion. The Lord was so clearly in it. I want to tell you that they would have never shifted jobs on their own. Listen, I'm not suggesting that God is the source of all the pain and obstacles in our lives, but if we draw close to him, if we ask him, if we quiet ourselves, if we pay attention to all these ways that the Lord speaks, we might just begin to hear his voice more clearly. And through it all, we can trust that God is after our good, right? He wants good in our lives. Listen, I know I've given you a lot today, so I wanna close with this. One of the best ways to learn how to be led by the Spirit is to simply practice. So I told you I wanted to give you a challenge. Here it is. And just like a challenge like James Bond would receive, you can choose to accept it or you can choose to reject it. I hope you'll accept it. Here's the challenge. Within the next six weeks, we have some of the most incredible holiday events taking place in this church. Yes, we put them on to bless you. We love you. We want to do that. But we also put them on because we want to see you shine and have the opportunity to invite your friends to come and get a glimpse of the Lord, to get a little sense of joy in their holiday season. And so here's the challenge. Would you pray? Would you begin to practice all these things we talked about today? See who the Lord puts on your heart. See whose path you cross. See whose name appears on a billboard when you drive by. And then invite them. Maybe even pay for them if you want. Ask them to be a guest, your guest at one of these events. Let me tell you about these events right now. You can start to prepare for your challenge. We have a men's Thanksgiving dinner coming on the 21st. Guys, this is gonna be like a feast. Your friends are gonna love it. Easy invite. The women's Advent breakfast is taking place at the Amber Room. That's a wonderful location. Listen, I wanna brag on our women's leadership team a little bit. In the summer, in the midst of our series on faith, they felt the Lord say to them, don't just hold the Advent breakfast here like we've been doing since the pandemic. Step out on a limb, go to the Amber Room. Let's do something big. Let's get lots of people to come and meet Jesus. It was a huge step of faith. Ladies, I know how intimidating it can be to sign up to go to something when you don't know who you're gonna sit with. I know that kind of fear that's in your heart. But here's the beauty of this challenge. If you invite your friend, you know exactly who you're going with, right? Hey, buy a whole table out. Invite your whole, your whole work for all that matters. I wanna challenge you to pray. Pray and ask the Lord today who you can invite. The Waterbury Campus Tree Lighting event is on December 3rd. It's a huge tree they love to light. It's a lot of fun. The Jason Gray and Aaron Schutz Christmas concerts happening here on December 8th. These are award-winning Christian artists. This is gonna be the highest quality Christmas concert. You can invite your friends to it. The Valley Campus Christmas Party on December 9th. The Valley knows how to have a ton of fun. The Charlie Brown Christmas concert on December 15th at the New Milford campus. Chris Vitarello is putting together a band of some of these jazz pros from the tri-state area. They're gonna play through the whole Charlie Brown Christmas album. Don't you love that one? And uh, I know the New Milford campus is gonna have tons of refreshments. Easy invite. The young adult Christmas party is happening on December 16th. Keyword is young adults only, okay? 
And then a performance of Handel's Messiah and carols with a 50-person choir and a chamber orchestra right here at the Bethel campus on December 22nd. This has been a dream of ours, and it's our dream to fill every single seat in this auditorium. And that will only happen if you invite your friends. And then, of course, we have our Christmas Eve services. You know, all of these things can be found on our website. Uh, Today, you're going to be receiving a card that has all this information on it. Listen, if you want to learn how to hear from the Lord, take a challenge and practice. Church, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, that means the spirit of the living God dwells inside of you. That means that he wants to lead and guide you every day. And I want to tell you something. There is nothing more exciting than learning to hear from the Holy Spirit, taking that step of faith and watching what the Lord does in response. Church, it's time to arise and shine. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. I, uh, I want to invite the worship team to come out. We're going to close in a song of worship. I want to invite you to stand. And as you do, I'd like to say a prayer for us as we step into a season of listening to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit that while you left earth in your earthly ministry, you gave us something that you said would be even more powerful, the gift of your Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. And Lord, as your church, we wanna learn what it looks like to hear from you in a fresh way. And so if you're out there today and you're saying to yourself, I wanna learn how to hear more from God, I just want you to ask him right now. Take that first step of humility. Say, Lord, I hear about all these things that are happening in the book of Acts. I hear these incredible examples. If those are real, would you begin to speak to me? And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would impart upon your church today a fresh ability to hear from your spirit. Lord, we wanna be those who know where you're calling us to go, to step out on a limb, to see heaven come to earth in amazing ways. We can only do that with your help. Lord, come now, in Jesus' name.